It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show. Brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In this week's programme, the credit crunch hits Christmas. Why card issuers are behaving like Ebenezer Scrooge with their credit limits. We also look at the new gold rush. Forget the yellow stuff. It's platinum that's exciting certain investors right now. Is it the end of private equity? There's a lack of cheap borrowing facilities limiting the opportunities for private investors. And we have some good news and bad news on cashback deals. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be bringing you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And Charlene Goff. Hello. And from Investors Chronicle, we're joined again by John McLeod. Hello. So let's start with the money news. Further signs that lenders are cracking down on credit. We've already seen figures out saying that mortgage approvals are a two-year low. Charlie, now it seems that the credit card issuers uh, are tightening up their uh, lending conditions and it's affecting existing customers. Yes, uh, that's right. I mean, for the past couple of months, we've seen a real clampdown from credit card providers and loan providers um, when they're issuing new credit. Um, but now it seems that they're actually reviewing existing customers as well. And if they get the feeling that certain people perhaps uh, approaching credit limits on other cards or um, have taken out a bit more debt elsewhere, they might actually rein back their limits. So you could find that you think you've got a few hundred pounds left on your card, uh, but then find that um, it's been maxed out by the issuer. Yeah, that's right. Um, And what's really interesting about this is it isn't necessarily people who you might expect would default. It can be even people with really strong, good credit ratings. Um, One uh, credit scoring agency said, you know, they've seen this happen to people with squeaky clean records. Steve, have you heard um, anecdotal evidence of this from any of the FT Money readers? I think one or two, yes. I mean, traditionally, you know, you'd just get these letters out of the blue, wouldn't you, saying your credit limit's been raised, congratulations. You'd go, I didn't even need it. Um, Now it does seem people are starting to get letters saying saying often you haven't been using it, that's why we're taking it back. But it's it's got other knock-on effects, I guess, as well here. I mean, with interest-free deals, of course, if you apply for a credit card and you want to take advantage of its interest-free deal... While I've not heard of them taking back interest-free limits that they've offered, 
but I have heard of them offering lower interest-free credit limits than previously, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I think the point about it affecting people with squeaky clean record is a good one. I, I was talking to a certain fund manager earlier this week who shall remain nameless who's bemoaning the fact that you know, even though being a fund manager, a successful one at that, he's earning quite a lot of money, um, his credit card limit has been frozen. It isn't actually that high for someone with his earning power. So it does seem that the climate is definitely changing. Yeah, and, and another thing um, people have to be a bit careful of, especially if they've been moving from one card to another to benefit from these interest-free deals, if a new card issuer or even your existing card provider reviews you and sees that you have um, a number of unused cards, it can say, well, you know, you have got the potential to spend all this extra money, so we're going to bring the limit down that we're willing to give you. So I think the message is, you know, to to close down any cards you're not using. Well, there's another reason for that, isn't there? I mean, there was a report out, I think, last week, which said that some card issuers are looking at, certainly selectively within their customer databases, imposing dormancy fees. So if you don't use the card at all or don't use it as much as the card company wants you to, it's going to say, well, we're not making enough money out of you. We're going to impose a dormancy fee. I think the idea is people always get notice, but it's a worrying trend. Yeah. Too many cards. Sounds like it could be a problem for some people this Christmas. And um, Charlene, you've got uh, an article about this in uh, the Weekend FT and on FT.com forward slash money coming out on uh, the 17th of November. Also, uh, you can send in your financial questions, your experiences with credit card issuers uh, for us to respond to by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come in the programme, is there money to be made from private equity deals as the banks become a lot more cautious? And which cashback deals are actually good news? But first, precious metals. Gold has always been the preeminent precious metal. I mean, let's face it, no one ever wants to win a bronze medal, do they? And uh, I'm sure Spandau Ballet wouldn't have hit the number one spot with a song called Aluminium. Um, Charlene, you've been uh, mining this uh, rich investment scene. What have you uh, discovered? Well, it seems that um, there's a number of other precious metals that are also performing really well. I mean, we've seen gold hit sort of record levels recently, but these other metals, perhaps not quite so glamorous, um, you know, they, they don't have the prestige of gold. You've got things like platinum, palladium and silver, which, which is traditionally quite closely correlated to gold. And these other metals that are doing really well as well. So I had a word with David Jolly, who is the author of an annual report on the platinum metals market for Johnson Matty. Well, over the last few months and over the last couple of years, in fact, um, platinum and palladium have both shown pretty similar performances in percentage terms to, uh, to that of gold, with I think some of the same macroeconomic factors influencing the price performance, but also clearly the influence of uh, supply and demand dynamics as well on the market. And can you give some examples? So you mentioned platinum. Uh, is that the main one, or are there others that are, that are similar? Well, platinum's uh, certainly the highest profile of the platinum group metals, both in sort of industrial terms and in investment terms. And that's, done, uh, that's performed pretty well. And at the moment, in fact, it's pretty close to record prices um, as we speak. And what are the main uses for platinum? I mean, obviously, it's not as well known as gold. Um, where is it mainly used? It's much more of an industrial metal than gold, so it's, it finds uses in a, in a wide range of applications. Uh, the biggest one is actually in uh, cleaning up car exhausts, so uh, reducing the emissions from the, uh, 
in the exhaust of, of car engines. But it's also found in uh, a lot of chemical processes as a catalyst. It's used in the manufacture of glass as well. Um, and you do see a certain amount of investment in it as well as a physical metal. Right, so it's not quite as glamorous as uh, investing in gold, maybe. It's less uh, overtly glamorous. Um, it's much more of an industrial metal, and the, the reasons for investing in it be- depend much more on the uh, supply-demand fundamentals rather than, I think, just uh, strongly on the emotional context of gold and the, the emotional history of it. And you talk about supply and demand. I mean, how do you see that um, going for the next year or so? What's your forecast for supply and demand and how that will feed through into the price of platinum? Well, in the platinum market, we've seen, uh, or we're expecting to see a uh, deficit this year of something like 265,000 ounces, which is about nine tonnes. And it, in comparison to the gold market, that would be very small. But in the platinum market, that's fairly substantial. It's perhaps 4% of, uh, of uh, world supply. And that will, that's led to uh, a fairly strong price performance over recent months, with platinum now above $1,400 an ounce, which is uh, certainly the highest level historically. Okay. And do you, do you think it's got room to go even higher maybe next year? Um, we, we're looking at the uh, deficit probably narrowing. Certainly, we're expecting enhanced supply from South Africa next year, um, and that should help in the market. Um, but one of the big questions we have really is the macroeconomics there. If, uh, if the weak dollar continues and if uh, the gold price continues to rise, that's likely to, uh, to be positive for platinum and could help it push above $1,500 an ounce, maybe as high as $1,575 an ounce in the next six months. But at the lower end of the scale, there's a certain amount of support found from industrial purchasing uh, around the world, but particularly in Asia, um, which is price, sometimes price sensitive. Uh, the jewellery industry is a particular example of that, and that tends to support the price. And we'd expect that to come in somewhere around $1,350. Okay, so if you were a private investor and, and you were quite bullish on the prospects, how would you get exposure to this kind of metal? I guess there aren't as many ways as there would be for something like gold. Well, that's quite right. Historically, it's been more difficult to invest in. Clearly, you can invest by proxy and invest in the shares of the mining companies, and that's one way people have done that to gain some exposure. But you can also invest in the physical product. So people have bought coins, and there are a number of coins which are sometimes bought for numismatic purposes and sometimes simply for pure investment purposes. But you're beginning to see new things as well. There's, there are clearly people investing in the futures markets in platinum, in, uh, particularly in New York and in Tokyo. And you've also seen this year the launch of two exchange-traded funds, which allow you to buy a share effectively that's equivalent to the price of platinum. Yeah, and, and they're quite an easy way to, to get in, aren't they, exchange-traded funds? Um, you buy it like equities, and, and they're quite cheap, I think. They run in a, a similar way to, say, a unit trust or an investment trust, so you're paying a certain fee for management over a year. But that's a pretty low fee, and you're entirely right that the way of buying them is something that seems entirely uh, normal to most investors. It's much less complex than talking to a dealer and then having to take physical delivery of metal yourself. You simply put phone up and buy some shares. 
So, Charlene, it seems that platinum's an interesting play because it's both an industrial commodity and, of course, it has you know, attractions as jewellery as well. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming used more in jewellery, um, but that's still quite a minor use. It, definitely the primary use in, is in industry and is in these catalytic converters. So the demand for those is expected to grow quite strongly with um, you know, the new awareness uh, of environmental concerns Platinum and palladium are both important ingredients in filtering out impurities. So we can see that there will be quite continued uh, demand for those two. And I suppose uh, the interesting thing is that the demand is rising at precisely the same time that platinum supply is constrained, yeah. which is quite a, uh, quite a nice arrangement if you're a private investor. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's what's been really holding up the price recently. And as David said, platinum has seen uh, as good a return as gold uh, this year. And that's likely con- to continue as you know it's in this deficit this year, and that's because there have been a number of supply problems, particularly in the mining shafts in South Africa. A lot of them have been closed. So, you know, just as it's really uh, needed, uh, we've been u- losing valuable ounces. I suppose palladium is filling part of that gap because it can be used in certain catalytic processes. Right? Yeah, I think it's increasingly being used instead of platinum, but platinum is. Uh, you can't invest in it as easily as gold. It, palladium, you can't invest in it as easily as you can in platinum. Right. So, um, but there are increasingly a number of ways for investors to access these kind of metals. John, you, I think you've been looking at that. I suppose you could, you could buy the jewellery, but if you're an <laughs> investor, uh, what other instruments can you use to, to buy in? That's right. Well, it's now become a lot, a lot simpler because of exchange-traded funds, or something called exchange-traded commodities, or ETCs, which are listed in the London Stock Exchange. You can buy eight different metals, including palladium and platinum. You can also buy two index ETFs, and there's one forward index ETF, which allows you to play trends in the price curve. There's a thing called um, backwardation, where if the forward price is lower than the current price, you can make profit from doing that. You've got to watch out, though, because if you buy where the forward price is higher then you can make a loss. That's called contango. But there are more of these being issued with forward prices. You can also use futures, um, options, spread betting and other derivatives. So the exchange-traded commodities that are based on forward prices, you have to have a very firm and confident view of what's going to happen over a sort of three-month period. There's more sort of speculation involved that way. And I suppose the other way to invest, I suppose, which is the, the more fun way, is through these coins. Yeah, I think that's a lot more sim- simple. And I think one of the attractions of investing in these kind of metals is that people like something physical. You know, when we've seen all this uncertainty in in the financial markets and so on, you know, actually buying into gold, platinum and and having it there is is one of the attractions for for investors. There are a number of different coins that you can buy. Uh, I think the Royal Mint is actually issuing a new collection of UK coins and one of these ranges is going to be platinum. Um, So if you wanted to buy in that way, you can. So that's, that's the upmarket way to do it. I suppose, Steve, the, um, the downmarket way is to melt down your coppers. Well, it is apparently, <laughs> yes. I, there I was with my old whiskey bottle um, separating. And apparently you've got to separate the old copper, the old coppers, pennies, tuppennies and so on, which have a high copper content from the new ones, which have been completely debased, I'm told, and you can't actually get the copper off them, so to speak. But the idea is that in theory you're penny copper coin is worth more in copper terms than it is in face value now. 
That's after you've taken it out of your whiskey bottle, melted it down, extracted the copper, formed it into copper wire, sold it to an electrician. You've got to have a lot of copper. Yeah, if a lot of copper. I suppose you do. I think the, I think the platinum uh, routes through coins or exchange-traded commodities sounds far better. But th- thank you all very much for that. And um, Charlene, I think you've got another article coming out on the 17th of November on platinum and uh, palladium. Yep, and that gives um, some examples of how private investors can get in and all the different ways that you can invest Great, so look out for that in FT Weekend uh, and on ft.com forward slash money. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on cashback deals. Before that, though, private equity. It's the industry that politicians and shareholders love to hate, but for those who can get in on these leveraged buyout deals, the returns have been rather lovely. But when the leverage or the borrowing gets more expensive, uh, and so do your tax bills if the Chancellor's uh, new tax measures come into force. The private equity business looks an awful lot less attractive. Uh, John, you've been looking at this from the private investor point of view. That's right, Matthew. It's not just um, credit card users who are going to be affected by the credit crunch. It's also um, private equity equity funds because doing deals become more difficult. This has obviously been a good place to be for private investors, both in private equity funds themselves and also private equity funds have bought up a lot of mid-cap stocks. So so this effect is going to go away from the the market generally. That's certainly a risk. So I spoke to Simon Elliott from Broker Winter Flood Securities, and this is what he said. The sector's prospects have uh, undoubtedly worsened in the last few months as a result of the tightening in the uh, debt markets. Um, However, saying that, we think uh, results are are likely to remain positive for some time, as long as corporate earnings uh, remain healthy. I think for certain funds, such as the mega buyout funds, um, you know, which have relied on a high level of debt, um, then it is going to be uh, more difficult for them. But saying that, the, uh, the outlook for European mid-market buyouts uh, remains encouraging. OK, and obviously discounts have widened out somewhat, suggesting the market is beginning to sort of factor in reduced prospects. Do you, do you think it's possibly too late for investors who wanted to take profits? It's undoubtedly true that sentiment towards private equity um, has weakened, and, and that's certainly reflected in, in discounts. I mean, we believe that on a long-term view, private equity is still a very interesting uh, area of the market. Uh, we remain positive that um, many of the funds um, in the close-end sector will, will outperform over the longer term. And at the end of the day, if you can take a, a longer-term view, that you know, it probably makes sense to remain invested. And are there some funds that could offer sort of slight diversification away from the, the, the buyout side of things? Yes, that's right. I mean, within private equity, you have a different types of fund. Um, I mean, one particular area that has struggled, that hasn't really participated in the in the good returns over the last few years, is in the venture capital, which is the, the smaller side. And it, it's been a tough area of the market, um, and they haven't really seen the, the big uplifts there. Um, they're very highly exposed to um, high-growth companies or potential high-growth companies, such as technology and biotechnology, um, and that could be an interesting area of the market. Are there any particular opportunities that you'd like to highlight, please? Um, certainly within the close-end fund sector, the two, two mainstream funds that we'd, we'd highlight are HG Capital, um, which had a very strong um, performance record. And again, it's focused on uh, mid, European mid-market buyouts. And SVG Capital, um, which is um, you know, connected with Pamira. In the venture capital space, for those people who have got a, um, a higher risk appetite, Prelude Trust is an interesting play. It's had a difficult time of late. Um, but on, again, on a longer-term view, that, that may prove to be interesting. So, John, Simon Elliott obviously thinking that investment trusts uh, represent a, a way into the, the private equity world for the private investor. Um, what are the prospects looking like for investment trusts? 
Well, as Simon said, there's a difference in the market between those that focus on the, on the large deals and then some of the funds, say like 3i and Prelude, that focus on the more venture capital side of things. So understanding that the type of trust you're buying is important. There are 24 overall in the market, and given that discounts are widened out from sort of 6 to 14 on average, now could be a time to buy if you've got a medium-term view in the market, but in the short term, things might not be, be so rosy. There are also the venture capital trusts, which are small funds with um, tax benefits attached. And there are, I believe, 17 of those on the market at the moment or coming to the market this tax year. I suppose venture capital trusts do offer uh, perhaps an easier way into the, to the smaller deals that might be less affected by the credit crunch, as opposed to these mega deals, the buyouts of great big listed companies. But, Steve, venture capital trusts or VCTs haven't had that greater history, have they really? No, I think it's been a case of you've got a lot of tax perks, but the underlying performance hasn't been great at all. So really one for, you know, the the old warning of not letting the tax tail wag the investment dog. I suppose another factor with venture capital trusts is that they're now quite constrained by the size of venture uh, that they can invest in. That's right. I mean, it used to be a, f- a cap of 15 million, and that was introduced back in 1995. But instead of increasing that in line with inflation, it's now come down to 7 million. So these are really quite small private, well, not really private equity deals. These are, these are sort of just small venture capital deals. Some of them are uh, they're really kind of blue sky startup stage. But some managers w- will focus on more stable companies. And w- within that sphere, they can find companies that are, are relatively low risk. And then that, that helps investors who've gone in for the tax break to kind of get some confidence that they'll get the money back at the end of it. And I suppose getting your money back at the end of it is, well, is what it's all about, really. And the secondary market for VCTs, you know, being able to sell out and, uh, and make your profit, uh, it's not that liquid a market, is it? Not really. There, there are a few funds that have established good track records where there is a demand for them, but largely it's the managers that will buy shares back, and some of them do trade at kind of relatively wide discounts. Um, there's a five-year minimum holding period now, so some of the funds will start to actually wind up as a way to kind of give investors the money back rather than looking for trading. So there are opportunities, but it's certainly going to be harder, I would say, to, to find lucrative private equity deals. Pricing may not be so good and the good terms might be over. Well, thanks very much for that, uh, John. We'll keep an eye on uh, the VCT markets in the months ahead. And finally today, it's time for good news, bad news. And our subject is cashback deals, not the cashback deals that are offered by some credit cards. But Steve, you've been looking at uh, cashback through websites. Yes, indeed. Uh, There is a new service out there from PayPal, owned by eBay and the online payment provider. When you spend on its shopping website called PayPal Offers, you'll get some cashback back, up to 17% in some cases, although more realistically, most retailers listed on the site currently are giving kind of ones and twos and threes. So that's got to be a better deal potentially than any of the cards, if you get that higher level of cashback. Well, interestingly, you can double dip, so you can, in theory, use a cashback credit card, which could pay you as much as 5% on transactions at the moment, to buy something and get a further, say, 3% back. So a total of 8% back on your purchases compared with if you went directly to the website and just paid full price. That's quite a big discount, especially in the sort of Christmas shopping period. Sounds sounds very good. So where's the bad news in the this? Well, the bad news is... While PayPal is a, is a relatively big-name brand, particularly to eBayers, particularly to people used to online payments and so on, the bad news is 
the choice of retailers isn't huge. Only about 50, which isn't big. There are about 2,000 retailers that can be accessed by various websites to give cashback in this way across the online universe. Secondly, the cashbacks themselves aren't that great. You can, by going to some other websites, established cashback websites with names that people may not have heard of, quidco.com, rpoints.com, topcashback.com, you can double this cashback and indeed access... A thousand plus retailers, and these are all um, legitimate sites. I mean, they, they sound mm. um, a little bit off-putting. Quidco and the, top the, they're legitimate, um, but there is a big catch in the cashback world. It's they give you the cashback once they track the transaction. There are issues over tracking sometimes, so you might end up buying something but not end up with the cashback just because there's no record that you actually made the purchase through that website. The whole industry albeit from a low base, is getting much, much better. But, I mean, that's a key point. What, what you shouldn't be driven by is the cashback. What you should do is find the right product first and then see if you can get a cashback on top. So it's uh, the old case of not having the, uh, the tail wag the dog, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, Steve, thanks very much for that. And uh, I know that you have your um, deal of the week on this very subject in uh, FT Money uh, in the weekend FT out on the 17th of November. And that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can email us your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. And until then, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from the team. Goodbye. goodbye. And it's goodbye from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. 
That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code mom.